amen. Well, we're glad to uh, have you here this morning, and I want to, this is the fourth series sermon of five entitled Greater Than. And so today I want to talk to you about how Jesus is greater than the Old Covenant. We'll talk about that in just a second. By the way, we live in a generation where things rapidly become obsolete, don't they? I'm telling you, generation is about 20 years long. And so when I bought my very first computer, all right, my very first computer, and I want you to get a, a picture of this thing up on the screen. This is, this is a three, this is a five and a quarter with a three and a half floppy external drive with a big old honking monitor that took up the whole entire desk. And this puppy, ladies and gentlemen, had 40 megs of hard drive with it. Yes, sir. When I bought this thing, I looked at the salesperson and I said, listen, I want to buy something I won't ever have to touch, won't ever have to bother again. I mean, I put it in my home, it's done. And the guy just, he said, he said, sir, I'm telling you, and he patted my computer on the top of the head like it was a kid. And he patted that thing and he said, sir, I'm telling you, you buy this thing, you will never have to upgrade to anything else <laughs> ever. Listen. You all have more memory in your cell phone than that computer had in its entire tower. Obsolete. Man, things, uh, things, go out of, things go out of style. By the way, how many of you have this in your home? Raise your hand if you have it. The old VCR. Oh, yeah, no, keep your hands up. We want to see who all the hoarders are in the church. Yes, we do. All right, now put your hands down. Now, how many of you who just raised your hand still have your VCR displayed somewhere in the living room or the family room like you are really going to ever use it again? Raise your hand. Yes. Listen, it is time to cut the electric plug and throw that thing away. All right? It is not coming back. You say, well, what do I do with all of my VHS cassettes? <laughs> throw those away, too. I'm telling you, by the way, the shelf life of the VCR was 29 years. That's it. It seems like they've been around forever, but it was only 29 years till, till the time that it caught on till really 2006 when they stopped making movies on the, on the VCR. What about this thing? You know what that is? CD player for your car. Do you know that they are not putting those in your car anymore? Never in my... By the way, if the VCR had a shelf life of 29 years, this had almost half that time. This has gone the way of cassette tape and 8-track tape. Oh, yeah, baby, that's what we're talking about. But probably my favorite one is this one right here. Film photography. Film photography. We're doing a little project in our basement, so I've been straightening some stuff up. Found some unprocessed film. Unprocessed film. My wife looks at me and says, oh, we need to get that developed. And I said, good luck. I just don't do it anymore. Kodak doesn't even make film anymore. What has replaced your camera? Your cell phone. So here's what I want you to do. 
All right, if you've got a smartphone, a smartphone with a camera on it, I want you to get your phone out right now. Hurry up, let's do this together. Get your, you're going to take a selfie right now, okay? <laughs> you're going to take a Kirby selfie, a churchy selfie, a spiritual selfie. You're going to get it out, hug somebody you know, somebody you don't know. Somebody, if you don't have a phone, photobomb theirs, you know. Get it? Take your selfie. Take your selfie. Now, post that. Post that on your Instagram real quick, your Facebook, your Twitter, the Vine. You guys are having way too much fun with your selfies. Now, when you're done with that, take your phone or your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. The Bible talks about something that became obsolete. Look at verse 6. But the ministry Jesus has received is a superior to theirs. Theirs is the high priest. In chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, which comprise the bulk of the book of Hebrews, he is talking about how Jesus is better than the high priest. It was that section that really launched this sermon series, Greater Than. And so, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs. As the covenant, which he is mediator, is superior to the old one. So now there's a new one that is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. Verse 13 says, By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. I kind of feel like that last line of that verse, you know. But he says there is a new covenant that has come. Now, we don't use the word covenant very much. Let me tell you what the word covenant means. It's a solemn binding agreement or a declaration of purpose that was mutually beneficial to both parties. If one party failed to live up to the agreement, then the covenant was broken. Often these covenants were instituted by a stronger party like a victorious king. In the New Testament days, a covenant was established by a mediator. A mediator is someone who negotiates for both parties. They have to represent both parties amicably and reasonably, and they have to bring them both to the same goal. So here's what he's saying in verses 6 and 13. He's saying, listen, Jesus is as superior to the high priest as the new covenant, this new binding agreement, is superior or greater than the old covenant because it is based on Jesus Christ who is the ultimate covenant because he was the mediator of the covenant. In other words, he fully represented God and he fully represented you and I, sinful humanity, in such a way that he made an agreement so that the holiness of God was satisfied and the sinfulness of our own souls was taken care of. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. And so this new covenant, this new binding agreement was mediated by one who was superior than the high priest. Because the high priest could only represent 
the people in the Old Testament. They could only represent the Old Testament Jew. They did not advocate on behalf of God. They did not mediate on behalf of God. They simply presented an animal sacrifice and shed the blood as a covering of sin. It didn't bring forgiveness of sin. It just provided a covering for sin. But Jesus Christ, the one who is superior to the high priest, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate covenant, mediated this new covenant so that what he did was to say, okay, I've got the solution. God is holy. I get that. And God's holiness cannot tolerate sin. I get that. Man is sinful, right? Just look around the room. Turn around, look. You already did the selfie thing. I mean, you took pictures of sinful people. We are sinful, born in sin. And so Jesus Christ said, I'll mediate for both parties so that both parties are satisfied. I myself am God. I will become flesh. I will show the world what God is like and I will die on the cross for the sins of the world so that my blood will be a once and for all eternal forever and done sacrifice for the sins of the people. So that way whoever would look to me and ask for forgiveness of sins my blood would not only cover their sins but now my blood would remove their sins and that covering and removal of sin would satisfy the holiness of God and it would be the answer to man's innermost need how do you deal with the issue of the heart and Jesus Christ said I'll mediate that and I have mediated that on the cross and I'll show you that my promises are good I'll show you that this covenant is good because you destroy this body in three days I will rise again and you can bank on it and you know what he did so he is superior To the intellect, to the old covenant, Oswald Chambers said this. He said, it's shallow nonsense to say that God forgives us because he's love. The only ground upon which God can forgive is the cross. That's what Jesus Christ mediated. That's where he became the advocate. That's where he stands for you and I. There's this new covenant he mediated. Now let's make sure we understand something. He didn't do away with the old covenant. He didn't do away with the laws of the Old Testament. He didn't do away with the the principles embodied there. He didn't abolish it. He didn't annul it. He just came to complete it and to add to it and to make it something better. This past Wednesday, this very past Wednesday, my wife and I celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary. That was us. Now, we may not look it, but we are happy there, I promise you. It's like that Kellogg's, you know, couple, you know, on the cornflakes thing, you know. And, And the guy said, take a serious picture, so we... Did the serious picture, you know? 31 years. 
I have, most of you know I am really horrible at birthday gifts and anniversary gifts. I mean, it, it is like the joke. I, I, I have several friends who will text me and remind me, you know, sweetest day is coming up, you know, or this day is coming up, anniversary is coming up, you know, don't blow it. So I really tried hard not to blow it this year. And due to circumstances in our family, my, my Aunt Jean passed away. We ended up being there for the week. And, and, uh, and so it, it became kind of a... Uh, but I just want you know we didn't start off married you know 31 years ago and I didn't look at her and go hey you want to get married I do know that her first thought when she looked at me was hey let's get married (laughs) or hey y'all let's get married you know matter of fact how we first met was Tim Caldwell introduced us or Gave my first introduction to her. They were taking pictures for second semester and a student, and she came in second semester. And so they were taking her picture, and he said, Shrimp, you got to come in and see this girl. She's beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. And I said, okay. You know, I was always ready to see a pretty girl. And so I, you know, went and looked in the room, and there she was. Straight, long, blonde hair. And she's getting a little... I know. You know I'm not good at this. It's funny because, you know, she she got some tints in her hair. And I said, you know, I I did marry a blonde. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, and I married a guy with hair. And I went, okay. (laughs) Happy anniversary, honey. Yeah. And so I I looked around the door and, and she had, she had the braces. I mean, she had the full metal gear. You know what I'm saying? She had stuff. I mean, she smiled and the guy in the camera turned his lights off because of the reflection. I mean, it was just like, it was like big. So I looked at her and I went back to Tim and I said, yeah, she's kind of cute. Cute. She's gorgeous. I said, well, knock yourself out, man, you know, if you want to date her. So anyway, we started by way of introduction. Now, then, then we started just kind of casually talking. Now, talking back in that day does not mean what talking means today. I had to get a little re- review of how the, the thing works today. But, but we, we started talking, and we started hanging out together. And we're still not dating, but we just kind of started hanging out together and running into each other and being in the snack shop and that kind of thing. And, uh, and then, then we had our first date. And, and our first date wasn't really, I mean, it was just kind of a, a fun thing. And it, it was just, you know, really cool. It wasn't really anything serious. And then we just kind of had another date. And then we kind of, but, but I want you to know that, that, that our talking didn't replace the introduction. It, it just took the introduction to a, a better level in our our first date didn't take hanging out away. It didn't abolish that. It just took it to the next level. And then, then we started like officially like dating, you know? And like at Bible college where we went, I mean, here was the way you dated. You had 30 minutes, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and you could either walk around the block or sit in a dating parlor for 30 minutes. Woohoo! 
So obviously there wasn't any, you know, holding hands or kissing or that, that kind of stuff going on. So we loved Sunday night church when we were dating. Because we would, and I, I've, I've done this before, but if you, you've seen it before, but just, we, we'd have hymnals. You know, that's a book where they got songs in it. And she would hold one. She'd hold one side and I'd hold the other. Now you got to watch my hands. Because we, we, we would start off like this. Then it was nearer my God to thee. Well, you betcha. <laughs> Send a great revival in my soul. Absolutely. And there's this point in the, in, the, in the Sunday night thing. And I'm telling you, every person who's ever dated a Bible college knows this little thing right here I'm telling you about. And so there's this thing where, where all of a sudden we're, we're singing worshiping, giving glory to God, and her finger comes over there, and my finger goes, whoa, buddy, I'm telling you. Oh, baby. You talk about how that replaced the old thing. Man, I was just like, oh, you know, and it's just great. Oh, sing another verse. Yeah, we love it. It's great. Keep going. So we dated. Then we got engaged. The engagement didn't abolish the dating. It didn't do away with the dating. It just built on it and made it better. So that because we now had a commitment of engagement, it, it took dating, you know, to, to the next level. Then we got married. And you talk about taking it to a completely different stratosphere, didn't do away with the dating, didn't do away with the talking, didn't do away with the hanging out, didn't do away with the introduction. It just took all of that and made it better. It, and marriage was the fulfillment or the completement of that kind of process. What Jesus Christ is saying, or what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying about Jesus Christ, is he is the fulfillment of the very best that God has for you. He is the completion of all that God is for you, and you can count on it. Matter of fact, his promises are true. Look at the verses again, verse 6 and then verse 13. It talks about how it is founded on better promises. So what are the promises? I'm just going to throw four out real quick. The first promise is that it's an inner thing, not an outer thing. That it produces inward change. I'll make a covenant and I'll write with the house of Israel and declares the Lord, I'll put my laws in their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, God wrote his law in stone or on stone. Now he writes them in our hearts. In the Old Covenant, you were kind of, it was kind of from an outside in deal. In the New Covenant, that relationship with Jesus Christ, He comes and He lives within our heart and He changes you from the inside out. It's an interchange. And we do believe that when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, that there will be a change. By the way, not only that, but He says, I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Man, can't you say amen to that? Man, that word no there and they'll be my. And I will be, man, those are intimate expressions. It reveals a positive and close relationship with God. Third, it provides a knowledge of God for everyone. Look at that last phrase, from the least of them to the greatest. See, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, there was the big three, the king, the prophet, and the priest. 
depending on where you were at in history, one had prominence, but the high priest was almost always the man. Listen to what Christ mediated for you. That because of the cross, at the foot of the cross, there is no more big three. The ground is absolutely level at the foot of the cross. And he has room for you. You're never going to get pushed away by somebody who has more money, more fame, more power, more celebrity, more glam, more whatever. Uh Uh-uh. The ground is absolutely level at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter if everybody's heard of you or nobody's heard of you. Doesn't matter if your bank account is full or you don't have a penny to your name. I'm telling you, it is God provides his knowledge for everyone because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And then finally, it says... In verse 12, I'll forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. And man, he offers complete forgiveness of sin. And that ought to be exciting. That ought to cause us all to stand up and shout and say amen. Because man, look, I mean, we've all sinned, haven't we? Man, we've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when you say, Jesus, I'm sorry, man, his blood not only covers your sins, but it removes your sins. And the Bible says, because it is removed, I'll forgive your wickedness because of my son, Jesus Christ. God's holiness says that. And then Jesus says, I will remember your sins no more. And that is the ultimate covenant. That is the ultimate deal that Jesus Christ does for you. It is never to be repeated. It will never be done again. Years ago, the Dallas Cowboys had a star running back named Dwayne Thomas who was kind of a head case. And they were interviewing him. The Cowboys had made it to the Super Bowl. And someone asked Dwayne Thomas what he thought about playing in the ultimate game. And he said, if the game is the ultimate game, why do they play it every year? It's a great question. Listen, the cross is the ultimate covenant. It will never, it will never, it will never be repeated. Its power will never be duplicated. And its ability to transform lives from the inside out will never be paralleled again. Jesus Christ is the ultimate covenant. But here's the thing. A lot of you who are believers struggle with that. You, you struggle with your own sinfulness. And you, you look at a holy God who's up there waiting just to, for you to mess up. You think they hit you upside backside the head. And that is such wrong theology. That's old covenant theology. New covenant theology said Jesus Christ mediated for our sins. And when we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, he forgives us of our iniquities and remembers our sins no more. Circle that phrase no more. Draw an arrow by it. Highlight it on your iPad. I'm telling you no more means absolutely positively no way shape fashion form does he ever hold it against you again. Have you ever had a fuss with your spouse? Sure you have. And and you guys apologize to each other. And then a couple of months go by, and you're tired, and it's a little raw, and it's just a little, and the sum's up, and you just kind of throw it out there, the little zinger. And you know what happens then, don't you? 
It's not good. But let me tell you something. God never throws the zinger. God never looks at your past sin and says, well, they're going to go back to that. No, he looks at you and thinks about you in terms of growing and going forward in your relationship with Christ and not turning back. That was the challenge that the pastor had to his Hebrew congregation. He said, don't turn back. Have confidence in your relationship with Christ. Have assurance of your salvation because Jesus Christ is the ultimate covenant. There'll never be another like him. Follow him. Hey, would you bow your heads and just be real still for just a moment?